You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nahumsegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matis Weingast. Today is the 5th of July, 2015, and the 18th day in the month of Tammuz, 5775. Today is the day on the Jewish calendar that we celebrate, uh, celebrate, commemorate, uh, the 18th, uh, the 17th of Tammuz, uh, which is a fast day, Shiva Serba Tammuz which occurred yesterday on Shabbos, but since it is, uh, except for Yom Kippur, since it is prohibited from fasting on Shabbos, we put the fast to a different day. And because of the uh, sadness of uh, the time period, we don't make the fast earlier like we do, for instance, with um, with uh, the fast of Esther, Tanis Esther, but we uh, push it uh, back and... Uh, or ahead, if you will, to the next day. So today we commemorate Shiva Sarbatamuz, a fast day that in the North New Jersey area ends at 9.13. Check your calendars where you are to see when the fast ends. And it brings in the beginning of the uh, three weeks, which culminates with Tisha B'Av, three weeks from today. And uh, we are in our three weeks format here on JM Sunday and the rest of the network. We'll be playing all a cappella music throughout the show this morning. Uh, news from Israel scheduled for 8 o'clock, a morning chizuk at 7.30. And at 8.30 was scheduled to be joined by Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach, who is the official fast day consultant for the Nachum Siegel Network and JM and the AM. So that's at 8.30. We'll talk about Shiva Asr Batamas, what it means in history. And, uh, and uh, talk about the the events that uh, that caused us to be fasting 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later after the events. It is uh, it's a nice day outside here in the North Jersey area, 71 degrees and sunny now, going up to 87 and sunny and going back down to 71 and clear tonight. Uh, in Jerusalem, it's 90 degrees outside and sunny now and going down to 64 degrees and clear. So it's a it's a bit warm for a fast day. Don't overexert yourself. If you're doing Dafyomi, it is uh, Nadarim Daf 42. When you get a chance, like us on Facebook, the uh, JM Sunday page, and uh, while you're there, like Mayor Weingarten's The Israel Show. Also, he's on uh, Monday mornings after JM and the AM. Let's go to some music and we'll talk a little bit later. Uh, here is the uh, showroom choir on JM Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
many broken hearted friends lost and departed please no more now the time has come everyone must stand together and be strong
never say never.
a cappella tunes here on JM Sunday as we uh, commemorate and uh, observe the 17th of Tammuz, Shiva Asar Tammuz. It is the beginning of the three weeks and uh, we'll be joined at uh, 8.30 by Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach, who is the official fast day consultant for the Nachum Siegel Network in JM and the AM, and we'll talk more about the fast and what it uh, commemorates and what it means for us today, thousands of years later. We heard from the uh, Meshorim Choir, a.k.a. Pella Maccabees, and Avrami Flam. We'll uh, have more a cappella music throughout the, um, throughout the morning. Programming will continue uh, all day long here on JM Sunday. The only um, encore show will be Saturday Night Seagull that was uh, done last night by... Executive Assistant Davrami, uh, and the rest of the day will be uh, a cappella music. Nachum returns tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., with a J.M. in the a.m. And uh, let's see what else there is. I already told you it's nice outside here in the north New Jersey area, 71 degrees, expected high of 87. And in Yerushalayim, it's, 70, it's 90 degrees and sunny right now going back down to 64. The fast in this area ends at 9.13 p.m. At this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Arlezecha Nishmas, Harav Zev, Rabbi Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. This specific period of the three weeks seems to imply that throughout the rest of the year, we don't really need to contemplate the Golos in the Chorban, the destruction of the Beis Amikdosh. However, we know that every day we pray in our Tfilos. We say, May our eyes behold your return to Tzion. In Berchus Amazon, in the grace after meals, we say, May Hashem have compassion on Tzion. On Yom Tov we recall, because of our sins, we've been exiled from the land. So we do have references throughout the days of the year to the Chorban Beis Amikdash. Why do we need this special time to remember the Chorban? The Dubna Magid tells of a wealthy merchant who had a son who rebelled against him. The father was compelled to send him away. This son was a big Balgaiva. He was very arrogant. 
and was sure that he was going to be able to manage on his own. He went out into the big world and tried all different types of work. Although the father was very angry at his son, he still loved him, and he would often inquire after his son. He heard that his son was wandering in the city, living from hand to mouth, and he hadn't met with any success. But the father hoped that his son had learned his lesson and had been humbled by the experience and would finally come back home. The father waited to welcome him with open arms. One day, a wealthy merchant who came from the city arrived to discuss business with his father. They discussed their business and eventually the subject of the son came up. When do you intend to bring your son back home? The father was asked. The father answered, when he's going to ask me forgiveness, I will certainly welcome him back home. The merchant said to him, let me be the agent for your son. I will apologize and express his remorse and beg you to take him back. The father said, no way. You can't be a messenger, not on behalf of my son and not for me. The merchant said, why not? You would accept the word of a messenger for other things. True, said the father, but I want to see that my son is truly remorseful for what he did. If he'll come to me and tell me that he wants to begin anew and he regrets the past, I will listen. But right now, you don't represent him. You come to me on a business matter, and you just happen to ask me about my son. Similarly, says the Dubna Magid, every day in our tefillahs, we ask for good health and for livelihood. Incidentally, we also recall the Golos and the Chorban. We remember to tack it onto our tefillahs at the beginning or at the end. However, that's not enough. Such a tefillah is not what's required. Therefore, our sages establish the three weeks so that we can specifically focus on the Chorban and its effects. We concentrate fully on the meaning of our tefillahs for the Geula, for the redemption. Then our Father in Heaven will welcome and accept our tefillahs and return to Shechina to Tzion. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
So 
acapella music here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. It is uh, 7.50 in the morning. We're getting ready for the news from Israel with Hannah Julian. That will uh, come up momentarily. We heard uh, Maccabees 6.13, Avrami Flam, Y Studs, and the Meshorim Choir. As we continue in the uh, three weeks format here on the Nachum Siegel Network, on JM Sunday and all the other programming throughout the next uh, few weeks, three weeks to be exact, until uh, until um, Tish above. And actually, today is the 18th of Tammuz, and uh, the commemoration of the 17th of Tammuz, which of course was yesterday, uh, is observed today because yesterday was Shabbos and we don't fast on Shabbos except for Yom Kippur. And we'll be joined by Rabbi Yachanan Weinbach, who is our fast day consultant for the Nachum Siegel Network, at, uh, at about 8.30. We'll find out more about the three weeks, the uh, nine days, the two fast days, and what they mean for us today from Jewish history. So that is uh, coming up at 8.30. And uh, today is the 5th of July. So here in the United States, yesterday was a major holiday. It was Independence Day for the United States, and uh, certainly something that all of us in the community should be thankful for, that we have the United States here, and uh, it is uh, important to remember that and to celebrate with that uh, as much as possible with, uh, with the country in which we live here. For those who live here, for those who live elsewhere, there are independent days in Yerushalayim, in Israel. Of course, Yom Hatzmut is the uh, is the holiday which we celebrate throughout the world. It is eight o'clock in the morning, and it's time for our news from Israel. Anna Julian, the Middle East news analyst and senior correspondent at JewishPress.com, joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Anna Julian. Good morning, Matis. We start this morning with a Jewish triumph in Britain. Uh, what began as a threat to London Jewelry ended as a day of triumph for Britain as a whole. A planned march by neo-Nazis in the Jewish section of Golders Green was forced instead to become a one-hour rally in central London. Less than two dozen neo-Nazis were hugely outnumbered by a massive crowd of counter-protesters that happened yesterday afternoon. Just to be on the safe side, however, security personnel were deployed in the Jewish neighborhoods. Israeli soldiers arrested six fugitives during operations in Judea and Samaria overnight. One of the six was a suspected Hamas terrorist picked up in Hebron. All of the suspects have been turned over to security personnel for further questioning. Once again, rioting Arabs kept visitors away from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem this morning. The Arabs were holding rocks at police who were stationed at the site, believed to be the location of the Holy of Holies for the, the first and second Jewish Holy Temples in Jerusalem. The holiest site in, in uh, Judaism and the third holiest site in Islam, but this has not stopped Arab worshippers from rioting and hurling rocks bottles and firebombs from the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. Uh, they throw anything, basically, at police, and sometimes also at tourists at the site, 
even during their own holy days. Today is also a fast day for Jews, however. This is on the Hebrew calendar. It's the start of the three-week period leading up to Tisha B'Av, the day of destruction of both holy temples, first by the Babylonians and then by the Romans after the temple was rebuilt. Those who care about the Temple Mount are never really bored. Last week was a busy one, especially for Temple Mount activist Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who faced an assassination attempt last October, uh, from which he miraculously recovered. He traveled abroad with Druze with Monday. The two men were in Turkey, talking about peace with government officials and Islamist clerics in Istanbul at the invitation of Islamic scholar and peace activist Adnan Oksar. Both men also participated in an iftar dinner held to break the daily Ramadan fast. The two men also met with lawmakers from Turkey's political parties and several ambassadors. Most of the talks were focused on the relationship between Israel and Turkey. In an interview with JewishPress.com, Safari said they discussed ways to help the citizens of Syria and also talked about how to deal with the terror that is spreading throughout the Middle East. Finally, a few words from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who says the emerging deal in Vienna between world powers and Iran is not a breakthrough, it's a breakdown. Netanyahu said the deal will pave Iran's way to producing the cores of many atomic bombs, and it will also flood Iran with hundreds of billions of dollars that will serve it in its aggression and its mission of terror in the region and in the world. What looks like a breakthrough, at least on sanctions relief, appears to have been reached yesterday during talks in Vienna. The U.S. team continued throughout the weekend together with the Iranians. The European negotiators were expected to return for more talks today. Just as the heat is on in Vienna, it's also heating up here in Israel. It's been very, very hot here, Mata. Sunny and sultry skies with some clouds in the middle of the week. Temperatures are going to be in the 90s. They're in the 90s right now. Partly cloudy at night, lows in the 70s. Have an easy fast. Those of you who are fasting today, have a great and peaceful week. I'm Hannah Julian for Jam Sunday. Thank you, Hannah Julian. That's our news from Israel. Have an easy fast also to you and... Uh, to everybody fasting there, and uh, hopefully we won't need a fast in the uh, coming years. We'll see you next week right here on JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's 8.05 in the morning. Coming up at uh, 8.30, we'll be joined by Rabbi Elkanan Weinbach to talk about the fast and the three weeks and uh, the history and what it means for us today. We're going to go back to the music. We're playing all a cappella selections here on uh, JM Sunday and on the network. So you can listen to the network throughout the day. The only encore presentation will be uh, Saturday Night Seagull that Avrami hosted last night. That was all a cappella. Uh, the, um, the other, the usual, uh, the usual encores will not be played today because they, uh, they, their first run was, uh, before the acapella time period, before the three weeks time period and format, so uh, there was a regular music, if you will, on there. Uh, but I understand, I have to double check this, but I understand that Jesse Zweig is going to be doing his top nine at nine acapella version during the three weeks. 
So check that out on the, on the network. We're going to go back to the music here, and uh, coming up at 8.30, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach with, uh, with a discussion about the fast of the 17th of Tammuz and the three weeks, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
is calling, he wishes to return. The little bird is wounded, he cannot fly but the red 
Time. 
never forget. And these are the days. And these are the days. Selections from the Y Studs here on JM Sunday. Matis Wine Guest with you as we continue our three weeks format, which began this morning. And uh, before the Y Studs, we heard from Avrami Flam, Ari Goldwag, and the Maccabees. We'll be here till 9 o'clock this morning. Great programming continues all day long with a tremendous selection of a cappella music appropriate for the three weeks. And uh, there will be an encore of SNS, Saturday Night Seagull, which aired last night with Avrami. Uh, because that was a uh, an a cappella show. And then the uh, music continues all day long. And Nachman will be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early on JM in the AM, followed by the Israel Show exclusively on the network with Mayor Weingarten. So there is a lot to listen to and keep your day going. Thanks for joining us here on uh, JM Sunday. Well, today is the uh, 18th of Tammuz. But in fact, we observe today as a fast day because yesterday was the 17th of Tammuz, the beginning of the three weeks. And uh, since it is more of, I guess, a sad uh, fast day, and not that any fast day necessarily is a happy one, uh, but um, we we don't move it um, earlier like we do for the fast of Esther. We move it behind and back, and we push it back as if we want to avoid it, which we want to do. But we have to do it, so we have it on the day after Shabbos, because we don't fast on Shabbos except for Yom Kippur. And now it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the airwaves the official fast day consultant for the Nachum Siegel Network in JM and the AM, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach. Good morning, Rabbi Weinbach. Good morning. How are you? Fine. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a uh, a fast day, and uh, right at the outset, we uh, wish you an easy fast. Uh, Thank you. You're Wish welcome. you all a meaningful fast. Thank you, and that's what I want to get to, because one of the questions I want to ask you has to do with uh, the fast day in history and what it means for us today. But if you could first explain why we have a fast on the 17th of Tammuz. The 17th of Tammuz, the, um, the Mishnah tells us that there were a series of events throughout history, five, uh, Mishnah was five different events, but there were a series of different events throughout history. The one that most particularly strikes closest to us and is all around established um, in the Mishnah is that the 17th of Thomas is the days that Hufkaha Ha'ir, that the walls of Jerusalem were breached after a long siege and the enemies of the Jewish people were able to enter into Jerusalem and uh, three weeks later destroy the Beis Hamikdash, which is why in three weeks we have the fast of the 9th of Av. 
So um, it was this breaching of the walls, which was in itself um, a big tragedy. And uh, it's, it's, it's notable that the breach itself is considered such a great tragedy. The siege, um, the siege preceded it, of course, and the destruction came afterwards. But the breaching of the walls was a tragedy. Not, um, you know, obviously it was an important step militarily in the destruction of Jerusalem. But it took the it, it took our enemies and it took the Romans three weeks to get from where they penetrated the walls to actually get to capture and set fire to the base Hamikdash. Um, so uh, I think there are a couple of, of very interesting notes here uh, that that are very worth considering. Number one, the tragedy itself of the breaking through of the walls. The <clears throat> Yerushalayim is a city, the one thing that it was able to maintain up until that point was at least the fact that the walls had allowed Yerushalayim itself not only to remain protected physically, but to remain protected spiritually. And, and the Jewish people still were able, in their small place, were able to <clears throat> were able to more or less continue to function without um, without our enemies and without the the destruction beginning, and obviously the breaking through of the walls. That's not just militarily allowing an enemy to penetrate into a fortified position, but it's also it's the entering on a spiritual level. It's the entering of those who stood against everything that Torah stands for. It's their entering into Yerushalayim, into our holiest place, and desecrating not just the base of Mikdash was the concern, of course, and that comes later, but desecrating even Yerushalayim itself, which is a city which has more than just physical or military or civic significance for us. It's a, it's a place that spiritually is really at the very foundation of who we are, and this was the beginning of the enemy coming into Yerushalayim. So on a spiritual level, it's a, it's a breach which, um, which greatly harms the Jewish people and is really the beginning of the desecration of our holy city. Not just something that surrounds our holy temple, but the city itself has a kedusha, has its own sanctity. Um, on another level though, as uh, it's important to just consider the following, you know, we, um, many of us have had the opportunity to visit Eretz Yisrael and to walk through any number of the gates of Jerusalem and then walk to the base of Mikdash. Not very far. It's not very far at all. It's, you know, 15 minutes maybe to walk from the gates of Jerusalem in. It took three weeks for the Roman army to fight its way to the Har Habayas through Yerushalayim. To consider the level of resistance, the level of courage, the level of sacrifice that the Jewish people who were in Yerushalayim were willing to fight tooth and nail to protect the base of Mikdash. It took three weeks. There's so much heroism involved, so much sacrifice and martyrdom involved in fighting off the great Roman army, and it's worthwhile to consider 
the courage. It's worthwhile to consider the heroism. It's also worthwhile to consider how strong a defense we were able to put up for those three weeks and the greatness of, on a military level, the greatness that had to be there for the Jewish people in order to be able to resist in that way. And while every tragedy is something that is in and of itself obviously a sad thing and we're fasting and we're remembering that and we, we recognize that um, on a spiritual level also that it was a great destruction. We can take a great deal of, and we should take a great deal of encouragement and a great deal of comfort and inspiration from the fact that we really, we defended and we cared and we were willing to sacrifice even when it was what would appear to have been a losing battle. There was no surrender. We have no surrender in us and should never have surrender in us when it comes to Shalayim and when it comes to defending that which is holy to us. We can't surrender. We, we have to, we have to fight on and we have to fight on with courage. And just thinking about three weeks to get from one of the gates of Jerusalem to the Har Habayas, just thinking about the courage that's involved and the determination and our willingness to sacrifice and defend Yerushalayim should be an inspiration to us in a time and an age where we are charged with the defense of Yerushalayim and defense of all that is holy and spiritual to us. We can take some inspiration from that, and um, and we can aspire to that and recommit ourselves and once again make the sacrifice of those who died fighting from Shiva Thomas from the day that the walls were breached all the way until during those three weeks, those who died fighting, defending the Beis Hamikdash, we can again make their sacrifice more meaningful by recommitting on a spiritual level and on every level to defending that which is holy in Jerusalem and defending Yerushalayim, which we, in this unique generation of only the past 60-something years, really, or actually since arguably since 1967, we have we have an opportunity to make their sacrifice meaningful in a way that other previous generations haven't. It's inspirational. It's an opportunity. It's something to reflect upon and something which, as we go through this fast day, and we seek the meaning in it, and we look to do tshuva on this fast day. We look to, we look to find the, a way to repair our spiritual um, weaknesses, build up our spiritual weaknesses and build up our spiritual resistance so that we can fulfill our responsibilities. It's, it's an opportunity to take an inspiration that can drive us towards making the changes that we need to make on a fast day, on a day of tshuva, on this particular Shiva Asar Batamas. It's interesting that you, you say that, and I want to touch upon that in, in, in a minute. Um, in a few seconds, Rabbi Yochanan Weinbach, uh, the official fast day consultant, for uh, JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network is on the air with us this morning. Uh, when you talked about the, the meaningfulness of the fast day and what it means to not just remember the history, uh, but also to take it as if we lived through it and uh, do the tshuva and think about what it is. Fast days, if I am correct, are, are always considered actually auspicious occasions in terms of our being able to communicate with God of uh, looking at our, what we do and, and to repent and to think about 
doing tshuva and doing more mitzvahs and doing things more positively in the future. Uh, and you just mentioned about oh, 1967, and I can't help but think the contrast between what you just said about the, the three weeks that it took for the Romans to break through everything inch by inch, or meter by meter then, whatever it was, uh, to get, right. unfortunately, to the base of Mikdash itself. And mm-hmm. what happened during the Six-Day War when, uh, within a matter of hours, uh, the uh, the army was able to get to Har Habayis and, um, and liberate it uh, to the extent that it is today, not getting into the politics or even the, the spirituality of the difference, but the contrast is amazing. Mm-hmm. How yeah. uh, you know how how that happened, uh, and and it's also interesting when you talk about the spirituality because one of the other five things that that happened in history is that Moshe broke the tablets that he was given by God for the Jewish people on that day, and yet if I if I remember my uh, studies correctly, that in and of itself was not considered a reason for a a thousands of years public fast day. Uh, and again, there are different reasons that you know, Moshe gave the Torah to to the Jewish people at the time, and you know, but but still, the the idea of Moshe breaking the luchos would, is something that's in our minds for a thousand years, and yet that alone would not have necessarily been uh, something to declare a public fast day for generations to come. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating point. That's a fascinating point, and. Um yeah, you know, we uh as tragic as that as that was, we did get a second set of Lucos and um so perhaps the fact that we get a second set sort of staves that off. But there were other tragedies on the day as well. Um at the same time, um, sometimes the establishment of the fast days has to do with that which strikes more current. Yes. Uh, you know, it was more current at the time. Um that's a very, it's a very interesting, you know, it's a very interesting point that the breakthrough of the walls creates a fast day that wasn't really created with the breaking of the of the luchos. It's a good point. It's worth. I think about that one. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, if if we have to discuss this again next year, uh, we'll uh, we'll revisit it. Or if you can join us on Tishabov, which is also on a Sunday. Uh, this year, and maybe we can explore that. Uh, I did see a few interesting things, which uh, you know, maybe we can we can point out. Um, okay. But it is certainly you know a day that we should think about what happened. I, I think for sure we should think about the the modern happenings. Um, we don't have a you know I guess that's I, I think I, I said this to Nachum I think on Friday we were talking about the fast day we were, and we were kind of not kidding around but we were saying well you know in this day and age if if the fast day is supposed to be on Shabbos, and it's on Shabbos. If it can't be on Shabbos, then we shouldn't have the fast day. <laughs> but obviously, we don't we don't do that. Right. Um, but one of the things that that we kind of lament because of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, even if we wanted to think about making some changes, we don't have a Sanhedrin anymore. We don't have the real, true court of Jewish law anymore since that time. And that in and of itself is, a, is, is an event or, or actually a lack of something that has continued for the 2,000 years from that time. It's, it's yeah, this is one of the great... I'm glad you point that out because I, I talk about, I've talked about this on, on Tishba before and it's really worthy of attention. 
it's not just the destruction of the base of Mikdash and the loss of the Karbano, you know, the sacrifices and all the Laregal and the various holidays, but the loss of the Sanhedrin is um, a, a tremendous tragedy for the Jewish people, not to be able to have that centralized rocket body that can make adjustments and um, allow halakha to continue to evolve as it needs to in current circumstances is a, a, a primary tragedy of the destruction of the base of Mikdash. I think that you're you're really a hundred percent, you know, dead on in terms of pointing out how significant that is, and it does get overlooked. So, yeah. uh, Kovod, that's, that's uh, right on. A lot of people don't don't realize that. And just to to make the one point, and I compare it to what here in the United States we're, we're used to, if a law has to be passed, or if a law wants to be passed, and if there's a law to be passed, uh, it can be brought to, let's say, Congress for a national law. But if Congress isn't in session, that law is not going to be passed. It, it, you can stand on your head and you can wish for it. It won't happen because they simply aren't sitting. And after they decide, if the president has to sign the law, into existence if if he's not around or he doesn't sign it it just doesn't happen no matter how much we want imagine more so in our in our tradition that we have 2000 years where we have not been able to have that and yeah that's that's and, and there's one other there's one other thing that I wanted to um to mention also uh, one of the other five things has to do with uh I think the relationship between Jews at that time. The the other one is uh, the other one is um, a. I don't remember when this was in in time, but um, a an idol was erected in the base Hamigdash. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can refresh my memory on on who supposedly did that, and and didn't it have to do with the two different kingdoms that were in existence at the time? Yeah, so it's also the burning of the Torah by a posthumous, but, um, yeah, they, they set up, um, uh, I, I unfortunately can't grab my mister right now, so I'm a little That's lacking okay. on the, on the details off the top of my head, That's but okay. yes, it was also, um, another of the tragedies of that day was the, the setting up, the, the desecration of the Hegel. Um, it really, um, one of the points that the mission is making, and one of the things that, that's so fascinating about the 17th of Thomas and, and Tishabov, which also has its own set of five tragedies, which is so fascinating about it, is that what we see is that there are certain days that become engraved, if you will, with a certain character of tragedy and a certain character of um, the type of things that went on on those days. And they repeat themselves, and they come around again, and they come around again every year. Mm. And this is one of the most... You know, I think fascinating ways of looking at time is it's a very unique Jewish way of looking at time, but when a date comes around on the calendar, that's not just a year later. You know, last night, last night, we saw fireworks for the 4th of July, and some of us saw fireworks. Mm-hmm. I saw a pretty good display myself because I'm down here on vacation, and, uh, we saw fireworks for the 4th of July, and, okay, that's great because 200 plus years ago, you know, it was 4th of July, right. uh, important day in American history, but nobody thinks that each July Force is a day of like independence, like somehow or other in the air, and and, and it's more likely that something in the, uh, relating to American independence will happen on the Fourth right. of July. Right. It's just you know time marches forward, and it's just a convenient way of marking it. That's not the Jewish view at all. Time doesn't march forward. 
it's more like a almost like an upward moving spiral that can be looked at from three dimensions and every year when you look you know you get to a certain day and you look down in history it's not just the, it's not the 17th of Thomas in you know whatever year we're in it's the 17th of Thomas in Jewish history in the reality of of the Jewish calendar and therefore the nature of the day is particularly unique and so the nature of the three weeks, the nature of the night, you know, nature of various times. And this, by the way, is not just for fast days. It's really in everything in the calendar. So when you look at Nissan, Nissan is always viewed as a month of Gula, right. the month of redemption. Well, why is it a month of redemption? Why? Because in 1776 something happened, so we'll have fireworks, you know, <laughs> right. on the 4th every year. No, because it's the very character of that time of year is embedded into the spiritual makeup of the universe. And things that relate to Gula, that relate to redemption, are more likely to happen then because it's just that's the that's the vibration, if you will, for us at that particular point in the year. Right, of course. And uh, there's no question that our, our day-to-day feelings when events happen are much more spiritual. We feel it much more than, uh, like you said, a 24-hour period that uh, is a celebratory period, and then, you know, that's it. We have so many things that are tied to every day, uh, whether it's a, mm-hmm. an occasion like Pesach, where uh, it, it's not just a commemoration of the redemption from Egypt, but, you know, we do things. We have the mitzvahs associated with the holidays. Here we have mitzvahs associated with the fast days also, specific things we're supposed to do. So it really anchors us uh, not just to see the date on the calendar, but but it's a practical, uh, physical manifestation of something that we have to do each day. All right, today it's a an absence from eating, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, different prayers and thinking about what is, what is happening. Um, last point, uh, very quickly, is uh, that for people who may not realize it exactly, the, the fast day that was set up, you know, goes back to uh, the time of the, uh, of the Gemara, uh, but, but it was more... Rabbi Weinberg, you still with us? Oh, I think we lost the, uh, we just lost the connection there. I was going to say, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get Rabbi Weinbach back, but I was going to say that um, the, um, the, the period of the three weeks as a period of mourning is um, something that was instituted later on. It's not tied in the same way as, um, as the two fast days themselves. And we'll see if we can get Rabbi Weinbach back here on the air for a second to just final, finish up with that. And uh, you know, that's what happens when you're doing something live. It is uh, not always yeah, it's not always possible to get things done. Rabbi, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I have I, no idea what happened. That's okay. I was just making the, the last point that uh, just for people to know history, that the fast days were instituted uh, at, at one particular time, but the idea of the three weeks connecting them was not done till much later in history mm-hmm. uh, by Chazal. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are discussions in, uh, I think, in the, in the Gemara that uh, there was one person, I don't remember who it is, and I don't want to make the mistake, but um, one of them wanted the, the uh, three weeks to actually be a full month. Uh, and there's some discussion about that. I guess for the music industry, it's a good thing it's... Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not more than three weeks, but um, well, well, the acapella guys are really happy. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, anyway, Rabbi, I wanted to thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I hope that you continue to have a meaningful fast today and an easy fast to you thank and your you. family. Uh, again, I thank you for joining us on uh, on the show and. Uh, I hope that if you're uh, again, if we have to, if we have to fast on the ninth of Av or this year the tenth of Av, uh, perhaps you can join us and we can uh, spend some more time talking about um, these topics in history. Sure. All great. right. Thanks again. Have a great day, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Oh, I, right, I meant to care. ask you by the way. I meant to. I apologize. Yeah. One more thing. Where are you these days? I always ask oh, that, and I forgot. I, I, I forgot. I always ask you that, and I, I forgot. What, what's up thank with you? Thank you. Um, so, uh, I'm right now functioning as an educational consultant. I'm, I'm trying to take the experiences that I've had over the course of my uh, many years in Jewish education and uh, functioning as an educational consultant, focusing in on alternative school models. Mm. Things like school school models, which give schools an opportunity to... Um, allow students to choose more of, have a little bit more direction in, a little more of a say in the direction of their education so that um, can be more engaged, um, find alternative ways of delivering education, um, also uh, setting up micro schools, opportunities for parents to take more direction in their kids' education, and really, I, I would say, some people trying to deliver a better Jewish education Cost. I know that we all share the concern, the ongoing concern that the Jewish educational system is uh, hardly sustainable financially at this yeah. point. And um, furthermore, just from an educational point of view, the model that most of our day schools are using, and many of them are changing and innovating, many of them have not, those are models that really, um, there are better models out there that would make the learning for our students much more engaging, much more powerful right. in general studies and Limude Kodesh. And, you know, we need to move to those models. Interesting. We, we have to verify our kids and we have sure. to get the cost down. So that's what I'm working on. I'm working on some of Excellent. those models. It's if, very exciting work. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they best do that? Best Schools Consulting Group is the name of um, my the firm. Mm-hmm. Best Schools Consulting Group. Um, it's uh, on the web. You can just type that in as a search or it's best schoolscg.com uh, would be the best way to get in touch. And uh, I'm really excited about some of the projects we're doing. I've spent time talking to dozens of parents about these things, uh, dozens of families, and uh, there's really a future here for improving education, getting the costs down, and, and giving parents more control and more of a say in how their kids are educated. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Rabbi. Have a meaningful fast, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach here on JM Sunday. want to thank him for joining us, and uh, it's a very interesting discussion. He's always uh, great with this. It's time to wrap up the show. Uh, don't forget, programming continues all day long here on the stream on the Nachum Siegel Network, and um, there'll be an encore presentation of Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami coming up a little later, and a cappella music all day long. Tomorrow morning, Nachum is back with JM and AM at 6 a.m., followed by the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten at 9 a.m. Don't forget to like us on the Facebook page, JM Sunday. While you're there, like Mayor's Israel Show page, The Israel Show, and we'll see you next week back here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network.